Well, I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this morning because we are starting into a new series. Yeah, I know. That's what I said too. But I will tell you, I prayed and I talked with my family about this. I I have been lost. And then Casey said, well, you can do Habakkuk. 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 Whatever you want to say, Habakkuk. I don't know how to say to use English. That we'll just go with that. But anyways, I read it. She read it. We're not going there. <laughs> I'll just tell you that we're not going there. But but no, honestly, I, I've been praying in this and, and and trying to figure out where where are we headed. What are we gonna do? I asked the Lord, 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 show me where we're to go. Because I want to be right. I want to be right in, in, in what I'm preaching up here and where the Lord has us. And this is what I got. No matter what, as long as you're in my word, you're right. <laughs> so we're, we're in God's word and it's good. And, and uh, uh, the series that we're going to jump into, I'm really excited about. Uh, The book that we're going to jump into is a little controversial. Some even say that it shouldn't be part of the Bible. Martin Luther's low estimation of it was that it is a right straw epistle, which pulls from 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.12 of building on the straw. And that, that, that this book is built on the wrong foundation is what Martin Luther said. Let me just tell you, he was 100% wrong. 100% wrong. See, uh, in his battle to try to remove himself and others in the Reformation, he tried so hard to get away from the teaching of works that he said that this book is the wrong foundation. Some have called this book a string of pearls, suggesting there is no cohesion to the letter, just a bunch of paragraphs that are strung together. But honestly, this short epistle is a masterpiece of incredible writing. It's a very practical epistle. It deals with some unpopular subjects, though, (laughs) such as controlling one's tongue, The dangers of stooping to the rich and the need to show our faith by our lives. You may already know what this epistle is. (laughs) But if you don't, we're going to be going through the book of James. And this book uh, I'm excited about. Um, If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to James 1. There is some questions as to who wrote this book, who wrote this epistle. Uh, we know that it's somebody named James, and I know how to say that one. But who? The, the Bible scholars say, well, there's four different, four different James that it could have been. And there's a lot of evidence, but there is even more evidence to one guy. <laughs> 
Jesus' half-brother, James, wrote this epistle. And there is so much, there is so much evidence to this that, that really you can't deny it. But church, I want you to understand the transformation that had to take place for James. Because you see, in, in John 7, 5, it tells us that James did not believe that, Christ, that, that Jesus is the Christ. It tells us in John 7, 5 that none of Jesus' brothers believed. But then we have this epistle that James wrote. And the transformation that took place is pretty amazing. I'm pretty fond of this epistle. I was once told that an actor, before he would go on stage, before he would go to the set to, to film a movie, that he would read. He would read his script 100 times. 100 times he would read it before he ever stepped on set to go through that movie. So I took this on as a challenge. I said, man, if this guy can read his script 100 times, I can read a book of the Bible 100 times. 1,000, that's even better. But 100 times, and I chose the book of James to read and I read it 100 times, and you would think I'd have it memorized. I don't. <laughs> I'm going to keep reading it. I'm going to keep reading it. But this book, this book is so full of great teaching. I think there's 52 commands in this short epistle from James. Yeah. So if you're not already, turn to James chapter 1. And we're going to read a chapter. Let's go to him in prayer first. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your, your guidance. Your hand in all. We thank you that you are a living God. You are active. And I pray that as we go through this book of James, that our eyes are upon you. That our eyes look to you, and, and Lord, just as people in the past have, have tried to, to deny your word, especially through, through this book, and that it's the wrong foundation, Lord, I pray that we don't do that, but we take it to heart, and we put it with the rest of your word, and we seek understanding as to what it calls us to be, because you put these words in your book, and they are here for us. And God, I thank you for that. And I pray that, that we take to heart your teachings. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, James chapter 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he 
who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field will as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than the it, than it withers the grasses, its flowers falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuit. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creation. Creatures of His creatures. So then... My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not proceed the righteousness of God. I read that wrong. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, then this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. There's a mouthful there. We're going to take a while to work through that. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But it's going to be good. James starts this out with his commitment to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls himself a bondservant. A bondservant. A servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember though, I just told you that in John it told us that he didn't believe. That he wasn't a believer. And now, he's referring to himself as a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's putting God and Jesus Christ on the same level. Equal. 
equal. <coughs> I hope that we do the same. I hope that number one, we call ourselves a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and in that we put them equal. They are equal. You see, then James jumps right into the thick of it. He says, my brethren, <coughs> and this statement is used 15 times in this epistle. 15 times in this epistle. He's talking to believers. He's talking to those who follow Jesus and want to follow Jesus. And he wants us, he wants to make sure that we understand that it is believers that he's talking to. But then here it comes, he says, believers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What? Count it all joy? What do you mean, count it all joy when you fall into various trials? I think joy may be one of the last things that I feel when I'm in a trial. But I want to make sure that we understand what trials James is talking about. <coughs> Excuse me. You see, as James deals with the subject of temptation, he's using the word in two different senses. In verses 1 through 12, the temptations are what we might call holy trials. Holy trials or problems which are sent by God and which test the reality of our faith and grow us to be more like Christ. And then in verses 13 through 17, on the other hand, the subject is unholy temptations. Unholy temptations which come from within which lead to sin. You and I both know that the Christian life, though, is full of problems. They, they come inadvertently and unexpectedly. And sometimes they come one at a time, and sometimes they come in droves. They are inevitable. You see, James does not say if. If you fall into various trials, but when you fall into various trials. We can never get away from them. The question is, though, is what, what are we going to do about them? What are we going to do about them? I want to be careful in saying which of the trials we're facing, though. And I think it's important that we understand which trial we are in. Is it a holy trial or an unholy temptation? You see, if it's an unholy temptation, it's because of ourselves, our own choices, our own thoughts, our own, let's be real, sin. That we choose to do and then we say that God is testing our faith. But that's not right. It's the consequences of our choices, of our sin that's coming about there. Because we're told that God does not tempt, and God does not tempt. God is not evil. He is light, and there is no darkness in the light. God is good, and He cannot tempt you. <laughs> and so we have to realize, if it's self-inflicted, or if it's that we have no choice in the matter, and it's a holy trial.
Are we facing a trial that God allows in our life to mold us, to change us? I say all this because we can't make God out to be the bad guy. In our trials, we cannot make him out to be the bad guy because he's not. See, he loves you. He calls you his child. He wants good for you. And he does not tempt you because tempting is evil and there is no evil in God. God is love. So we know that there is holy trials. And if you don't believe that, just read Job. There is holy trials. God allows God allows those holy trials to come to mold us. But what is our reaction when those trials come? How do we respond? There are several possible attitudes that we can take towards this. When these trials come, we, we, can ha- we have a choice in the matter. And then how do we handle it? We can, we can rebel against it. We can rebel and, and take on the spirit of defiance. Boasting in ourselves that we can handle this. We got it. We don't need anybody's help. We'll just handle it. <laughs> Talks about that in Hebrews 12.5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My sons, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And this goes on to talk about that that maybe if you're not receiving trials in your life, maybe you're not a believer, is what it lays out. That's a whole other sermon. But when we face holy trials, we can make the decision to, to bow up our chest and to say, I'll handle this on my own. I'll deal with it. It's all good. But church, I want you to hear this today. When you take that approach, you take Christ out of your armor and set Him aside. He will not force Himself in your battle. We have to allow Him to work. You see, the problem with this is usually it will beat us down. And it will... When you take your, the holy trials on yourself, The next thing you know, you can lose heart. You can uh, give up under the pressure. And then you start questioning if the Lord even cares about you. Does He really love me? Is He really with me? Is Is He in this journey even with me? But you haven't even allowed Him to walk with you. You haven't even allowed Him to give you a hand. You've not even done what Jesus calls each one of us to do in Matthew 11. 11, 28-30. He says, Come to Me. Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the words from our Lord and Savior. This is His words calling you to come to Him in these holy trials and in all of life. And He'll give you rest. You see, we we need to say in some way or another, we need to say these words. 
when we're in trials, God has allowed this holy trial to come to me. He has some good purpose. Some good purpose for me in it. I don't know what it, what it is. I don't know what that purpose is. But I will seek Him to find out. I want His purpose to be worked out in my life. You see, I truly believe that this is what James means when he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Don't rebel. Don't faint, but rejoice. We can truly rejoice in those trials in life. See, these problems are not enemies bent on on destroying you. They They are friends who have come to to aid in molding you to be more like Christ. God is trying to mold each of His children to be more like His Son. And this process necessarily involves suffering and and frustration and, and perplexity. The fruit of the Spirit cannot be produced when all is sunshine. There has to be some rain and dark clouds sometimes. And come on, most of the time, if we're honest, these trials stink. I wanted to use a different word, but my wife said maybe I shouldn't. They're horrible. Trials in life can can just... uh, Be no fun. And that doesn't describe it well enough. They're difficult. They make you struggle. They make you hurt. But in all of them, when you turn to Christ to help you through the storm, (laughs) you get to look back and see that in the fire, in the fire, you were refined. You were made to be more like Christ through that trial. How often do you hear a fellow brother or sister say, it was not a fun crisis. It wasn't good. But I wouldn't change the experience for anything. Because through it I got to learn so much. Maybe about yourself. Maybe about your walk with Christ. Maybe molding you to be more like Him. Church, holy trials change you. They truly change you. Especially when you count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You see, because James goes on to say, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Notice how he says, testing of your faith. Testing of your faith. He pictures faith as a precious metal. A precious metal that is being tried by God to see if it is genuine. The metal is subject to the fires of persecution, of sickness, of suffering, of sorrow. Guys, without without problems, we would never develop endurance, ever. In most of the holy trials in my life, I can look back on them and see the growth in my faith. Incredible growth in my faith. And during some of those trials, I thought that 
I was going to be torn apart, left in pieces. Uh, there's been some trials in my life that I, when I was in them, I thought there is no getting out of this. That I will come out of this broken in pieces. But then, when the Lord has His way with me through that trial, I come out the other side saying, thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Because see in that my faith, my dependence, my trust, my, my need, my love for the Lord grew substantially. And I know that it produced patience. Patience to wait on Him. Patience to understand that it is for my good that I get to go through holy trials. And I'll tell you when I'm in it, I don't look at it like that. <laughs> but when I look back on it, I can see that I can be molded to be more like my Lord and Savior through those trials. Because this is the only way that I understand the rest of this. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The only way that I am perfect and complete and lacking nothing is in the arms of Jesus. That's the only way. So today, if you're in various trials, if you're in, if you're in trials, count it all joy. Because you have answered the call of Jesus saying, come to Me. Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. That's Me. Labor and heavy laden. That's me. Anybody else today? Anybody else in the church? Labor and heavy laden? There's only three hands that went up. Church, you are amazing if that's the case. I'll just ask you, are you in a trial in your life right now? If you're in a trial in your life, but I mean truly, if you're not being molded, Get after seeking Jesus. Because in our trials, we are molded. In, 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 our, in our trials, we are brought to our knees to fully trust in Jesus. In our trials, we are refocused to understand that it is not by us, but by Christ that we are changed. And in Christ, we can be molded to be more like Him. And then He says, take My yoke upon you and you can learn from Me. Learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light. Church, are you in the arms of Jesus? Hello, people. <laughs> Uh, what he is saying is dead on true. I don't see a whole lot right now. Um, 
I suffer from stage fright, and people say, imagine everybody sitting there in their underwear, but that's just scary, so I won't look. <laughs> um, but what he's saying is true. When you have your trials and your different things, God does, they say it gives you patience. Sometimes we get forced to be a little more patient than normal. So there's not tons that I can do. I can do some, but not tons. Uh, but what he's saying is true. When my eyes are not working 100%, I can see actually a little more clearly what God has been doing. I see more who people are on the inside than who they are on the outside. God forms you through these things. And it depends on how you look at life. My grandpa always used to say to me, he said, there's a lot of life that doesn't make sense. And you can either laugh about it or you can cry about it. And it all depends on how you want to live your life. <laughs> and I think that that is 100% true. And there is a scripture somewhere. I think it's in Matthew, maybe chapter 6 or somewhere in there. Um, it says... If your eyes are good, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are not good, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And if you look towards the light, towards what God is teaching you, then there is, there's a lot of light there. There's a lot of light there. Yes, and that can be towards what God is teaching you or even the funny stuff like trying to watch a blind guy make a sandwich. Grape jelly and bologna don't go together. Uh, but if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I don't think he's talking about your visible light. He's talking about where you look inside of yourself. If you look at the dark side of things, that's what you're going to see is the darkness. But if you look at the light, that's what you're going to see. And our trials that we have definitely grow us and I just wanted to kind of second what Corey was saying up there and I'll quit interrupting now <laughs> no interruption you are a light and we are thankful that we get to talk with you right now and you get to share with us about the trial in which you are in right now and uh, the trust that you are showing that you have in Christ to journey every day so, yes.
Amen, amen, right? Tanner's been on a journey for a little while here, a little over a month. He got in a car accident. Uh, and it's taken his vision from him. It's taken quite a few things from him. Uh, he's working on getting them back. But uh, in that, what a, what, a, what a testimony that in our trials, we can turn to the Lord and we can put our trust in Him and we can journey and we can grow and we can be molded to be more like Him. Absolutely. Uh, we, will, we will pray for Tanner right now. Uh, and we have prayed on him as a church and we'll do it again right now. Uh, um, I would say we'd gather around him, but uh, we're gathering around him right now. So let's just pray on Tanner right now. Father God, we thank you so much for Tanner and his family in this church. Lord, we thank you for his commitment to you. We thank you that we get to see that commitment. And Lord, we know that it's not easy. We know that this journey that he's been on has not been easy. It stinks. But God, his eyes are upon you. And we can see it in his actions that he trusts in you. And that, that he knows that you have a plan. And God, I, I just pray for healing on him right now. I pray that he will get his vision back 100%. I pray that through this, the molding that he gets to be more like you is such a, will be such a testament to each one of us. That we get to see maybe even the jealousy of the, of the trial because of the molding that took place to, be, to make him more like you. God, I thank you for his family. I thank you for him being part of this church. And I pray that we are an encouragement to Him. Lord, I pray for healing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So church, I'm going to ask you again. Do you have trials in your life? And if you do, I want you to raise your hand right now. Do you have trials in your life right now that, that you're going through, that, that you're struggling with? And I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. I'm just saying, do you have a trial in your life right now that you need to turn to God for. You have a trial in your life that, that maybe He's going through and maybe you are turned to Christ. But if we don't even acknowledge the trial, how do we ever come to Christ when we're labor and heavy laden to find rest for our trial? I want to encourage you To put your eyes upon Him. Because the only way that we can find joy in that trial is put our eyes upon Him. Just as Tanner is proving to us. See, uh, trials are not fun. Some are easier than others. But we will face them. And when we face them, what choice do we make? I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. And if you're in a trial and need prayer, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to lift you up.
But more than that, we want to we want to encourage one another. Encourage one another to truly have joy in our trials. And we can encourage one another even in our trial. <laughs> because I'll tell you that, that I've watched Tanner through this whole journey, and I'm going to talk about him now because he, he just gave me right to do that, I think. <laughs> he has encouraged me so much because even in this trial, he has carried a smile on his face and he's, and he's proved that his eyes are where they're supposed to be. On Christ. And he's saying, whatever God's will is in this, I am good. I trust Him. I know it'll be okay. Let's encourage one another in our trials because of the joy that we get from Christ in our trials. Because he says that in that, you can have patience and you'll be perfect. You'll be perfect because you're in the arms of Jesus. And today, I want to encourage you to be real about your trials. We don't come into this church because we have it all figured out and we're all good. If we are, I'll quit preaching. We come here because we need each other. We need Christ, number one, and we need each other. And in that, we can have joy in our trials. I want to challenge you to read James a hundred times through this study. I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I want to encourage you to start reading. Start reading James once a day for the next hundred days. And if you have a trial in your life right now, we lift you up in prayer. But the most important thing is that you have Jesus in your life to fight that trial. To armor up with. And so if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if He's not everything, He's not your Savior, today is the day to allow Him to be your Savior, your Lord, your everything. But if you've done that, allow Him to battle for you. Allow Him take your burdens. Allow Him to hand you His yoke so that you can yoke up with Him and it will be light. Today, do that. Today, make that commitment to Him. Father God, I thank You so much for Your love. I thank You that You do battle for us. I thank You that You do give us what we need in our trials. And God, I know that that. In you, you, you allow trials to come into our life because you want us to be molded to be more like your son. And God, I want to be more like your son. And I pray that that's everybody's prayer that is in here, that we want to be more like you, Christ. In our love, in our desires, in our thoughts, 
God, we thank you that we can focus our eyes on you and we can battle. I thank you that, that we don't have to be perfect, but we can be perfected in you. And I thank you for that. God, I pray for people this morning in this church, whether if they're listening online, I lift them up. Whatever trial they are in, Lord, I pray that their eyes are upon you, that they're not boasting in self and trying to take it on and just being knocked down. Lord, I pray that in that they are molded to focus on you. To be, be yoked with you. To journey with you. And to come out the other side of the trial. Shining your light and looking more and more like you. And in their likeness, it is you. God, I thank you that that is the case. I thank you that that is how this works. I thank you that we can be molded by you because you are the potter and we are the clay. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.